I know that y'all don't know this. When we came in this morning for the early service, Michelle, who is the uh, you know the only girl up here, she came in a little bit frazzled today. She killed her first turkey today during turkey season. Uh, she did it with a car. As she was driving in, it, it, it flew into her uh, windshield, so I was just excited that Michelle was able to come and, and sing with us today. Uh, anyway, today we are continuing our series, The Spoken Word, and talking about the importance of us of us using our mouths, using our lives in order to tell people about the greatest message that there is in the world, which is Jesus Christ. And uh, for us to do that, we, we need to really be in tune with the opportunities that we have. I heard a story about a young man took advantage of his opportunities. It's a lieutenant traveling with his general on a train, and they sat down next to a really pretty girl and her grandmother, and they just hit it off. They were all just sitting there talking to each other, and then they went through this really dark tunnel, and they couldn't see anything when two very distinct sounds were heard. It was the smack of a kiss, and then somebody getting slapped across the face. Now, all, all of them had a different perspective as to what happened. The young girl was excited the lieutenant had kissed her, but she was upset that her grandmother had slapped the lieutenant. Uh, the grandmother, her perspective was that she was appalled that the lieutenant would even think about putting his grimy little lips on her granddaughter, but she was proud of her granddaughter for slapping him. And then, of course, the general, he was proud that his lieutenant showed some initiative in kissing the girl, but he couldn't figure out why he got slapped. And then the uh, lieutenant, man, he was excited that he got to kiss his girlfriend, or kiss the girl, and slap his commanding officer. Now, that was a guy who knew how to take advantage of his opportunities. And that's something that, that we need to be looking at as well as, you know, as believers, as people of the church, about how we can take advantage of the opportunity that we have to tell other people about the greatest message in the world. Because, you see, my fear is that many of us go through life, you know, like kind of like a day late and a dollar short concerning our opportunities. And life just sort of gets by. And then we look back and we, we think, man, I would have loved to have done something different with the way that I live my life. Well, today in our scripture, we're going to see a story that Jesus tells about, about two men. And he compares two men, and he, he shows us one man who took advantage of his opportunities, and he shows us a picture of another man who didn't. And one man found joy, and the other man found disappointment. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to, or excuse me, Luke chapter 16, and we're going to look in verse number 19. And it's my hope as we look at this story that we are going to be motivated, you know, as, as believers, as Christians, to take this good news of Jesus and, and take advantage of our opportunities to tell other people about him. And for others of you, you might not, might not have that, you know, that connection with Jesus. It's my hope that you will be motivated today to take advantage of your opportunity to know who this guy is that we come to church to worship each Sunday. And so we're going to look in Luke 16, verse number 19, just a little background information. Uh, Jesus was teaching here. He told a parable, telling a story, and he was telling it really to the religious leaders of the day. Now, Jesus was not very popular with the religious leaders at this time because he was... 
you know, he'd always get on to them and he'd always tell them, you know, your focus typically is upon yourself. Your focus is upon, you know, the legalistic aspect of religion instead of just simply living for God, having relationship with him and, and wanting to serve him. And so the religious leaders were always frustrated at Jesus at this point. And Jesus shared with them through the story that, that, that they had a great opportunity. So you have a great opportunity to know God. So but the problem is you're missing out on the opportunity because you're so focused on yourself that you can't see anybody else. And I, I don't want us to say the same thing or have the same thing said about us, that we're so focused on us that we don't see the opportunities that are all around us. You see, when somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus, it makes a difference in their life. And then you might say, well, how does, you know, what is, you know, exactly how does it make a difference in a person's life if they follow Jesus? I mean, I know they go to church and, and they, you know, they kind of act nicer maybe than other people. But really, when it, when it comes down to it, how does being a follower of Jesus change somebody? And what we're going to see in this story is, is what it does. What becoming a follower of Jesus, how it affects a person's life. So how does it affect a person's life? Today I just want to share with you three basic things that Jesus points out in our text. And the first way a person's life is affected when they become a follower of Jesus, first of all, is their destination is affected. You know, where they end up in life, or actually where they end up in eternity, that is what is affected. Now look with me in verse number 19, and this is the parable Jesus tells. He says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. It's interesting to look in this text and see the description of, of two totally different men. Now, as you look in that text, what are some of the basic, just a basic difference between the two men mentioned? Yeah, you all have to tell me this part. What, what are the two basic differences? One's rich. And one's, one's not. One's a beggar. One's poor. One guy has everything that this world can offer. I mean, everything. He's got money. He's got great food. It says he lived a life of luxury. Uh, it seems like he's a pretty good guy. You don't see any big-time sins mentioned here. Uh, he, he let a, a beggar eat from his table. Seems like a decent guy. And then, you have the, on the other hand, you have Lazarus. Now, you look at Lazarus. Lazarus was a beggar. Lazarus was a man who was in physical pain. He was in torment. The only way he could survive is if he relied upon other people. Now, if, you, if they went to the same high school and you looked in their yearbook, who's going to be you know, named most likely to succeed? Lazarus or the rich guy? This is going to be the rich guy. It's the guy that has everything going for him. And yet what's interesting in this story is who ends up in heaven and who doesn't. Who ends up in heaven and who ends up in hell, a place of torment and agony? Who is it? 
The rich man doesn't end up there. Now, you would say that the guy who has charge of his destination more than anybody else is going to be the rich guy. But he didn't. Now, now why is that? That's the basic question you have to ask is, why didn't he go there? Why didn't he end up in heaven? Was it because he was wealthy? I think there's a lot of a lot of people who say, well, if you're poor, then that means you're more spiritual than anybody else. Or if you're rich, it means that you're farther away from God. And, and there's no doubt that can happen. But it wasn't it wasn't his money that put him in in uh, in opposition with God. If you look in our text, it says that Lazarus, after he died, he was at a great feast in paradise. And who was he with in paradise? Is Abraham. If you read through the Old Testament, what you discover about Abraham, Abraham was an extremely wealthy man. Money had nothing to do with why he was not in heaven. What it had to do with was his relationship with God. You see, his focus was himself, and it was not God. There's not enough money in the world where we're going to be able to buy our way into a relationship with God. Uh, you can't grandfather your way into heaven either. You can't say, well, you know, my grandparents are great people, and because they went to church and our family, we've all gone to the same church for years, that means that we're going to be taken care of. The people in our text today, the Jewish people, they thought that they were going to, many of them thought they were going to be able to be in right standing with God very simply because they were Jewish. You know, in the Old Testament, it says they are the chosen people. And yet you read the story and you find out one of their own people wasn't in right relationship with God. He was separated from God. And we have to be careful that we don't do the same thing. That we, that we don't say, well, because I go to church every Sunday, then I'm, I'm good. Because I've done more, you know, because I've done, you know, I think more good things than bad things. Or because I'm a moral person, that God's going to, that God's going to be pleased with me. And that means that I'm in right relationship with Him. Guys, that has nothing to do with it. What's important is where are you in your relationship with God? The man in our text, his destination was greatly affected. Because he did not, he was not in right relationship with Jesus. He was busy being concerned about himself. And that's a tragic mistake to make. You don't want to miss out on the destination that God has in store for you. Now we, we need to know, people need to know that we have a choice. But the choice we make about Jesus, about following him or not, about being serious with him or not, that choice is set in stone the day you die. When you die, it's over. You better make your choice before that day of death comes. Because when it comes, it's over. No more choosing. When I was a kid, I used to go spend a couple of weeks with my grandmother in Fort Worth, Texas every summer. And I lived, um, I grew up in Oklahoma City, just a few, hour, few hours north of there. And I flew for the first time commercial airlines from Fort Worth or from Dallas to Oklahoma City on Braniff Airlines. Y'all remember Braniff Airlines? Y'all ever heard of that? Probably not. Their big slogan was called Flying Leather. Man, yeah, whatever. I don't know what that means. I guess it's supposed to be really classy. It went, it went south. Uh, anyway, so I was flying on that airline. My grandparents took me to the airport, put me on the plane. First time I've ever flown. Hey, have a great time. Glad you're here. They leave. I'm like 10 or 12 years old, and I'm sitting there, you know, excited about flying, hoping I'm going to get those wings. Y'all have ever seen the movie Airplane? I wanted to go up to the captain's, you know, cockpit and talk to him. And I'm sitting there, and the lady comes on the little intercom thing, and she says, we will be departing for Hartford, Connecticut in five minutes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not good in geography. 
But, uh, you know, Dallas is here, where I grew up's here, and Connecticut's here, and I'm thinking, that ain't a shortcut. And uh, now I know for some of y'all, you know, that would have been a great little flight for y'all because so many of y'all are from the Connecticut area. And so I'm sitting there, and now did I just sit there and wait for the plane to take off? If I had done that, what's going to happen? I'm going to Connecticut. You know, my fate is sealed. When the plane gets off the ground, guys, it's over. You know, I don't get to all of a sudden get up in the middle of the flight and say, hey, y'all, we're going the wrong place. The pilot needs to, he needs to go right back over here. He needs to hang a hard left. It's not going to happen. My fate is sealed. So at 12 years, 10 or 12 years old, I get up and I just, I run off the plane. I'm like, I'm on the wrong plane. And I get off and I pass my grandparents running to the next gate. And I, just now I start thinking, maybe they didn't like me and they wanted me to go to Connecticut, uh, which is very possible. But anyway, but if I had stayed on there, my fate was sealed. Now the text here is a reminder to me that we need to make a decision now, and we need to give other people that we know the opportunity to make a decision now about Jesus. Because if we wait too long, guys, it will affect your destination. It will affect where you are in your walk with God. And people need the ticket to be able to arrive at the destination where they, they want to go. It's heaven. And what's our ticket? It's Jesus. Jesus said in John fourteen six, said, I am the way the truth, and the life. He says, no man comes to the Father except through me. Have you invested your life in Jesus? Are you praying for people that you live next to, that you live near, that you work with, that you go to school with? Are you praying for them to know Jesus? Because let me tell you something. Jesus affects your destination. And I'm not just talking about this one. I'm not talking about Blythewood. I'm talking about eternity. So how else are we affected if we follow Jesus? How else is a person affected by being a follower of Jesus? Well, their destination. The next thing I want you to see is their reward is also affected. Verse number 25 hopefully will explain this. It says, But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Once a person makes a decision about about life, about who they're going to follow in life. Once a person makes really any decision, there is always, there's always a consequence. Now, I think sometimes we think we can make decisions in life, we can do what we want to in life, and there's really not going to be any consequences. We just sort of flow, flow through life, go through life. So I'm going to do this, and we don't think anything about the future. But there's, God, there are always consequences with decisions. Uh, just a real simple example. I love onions. I love to eat onions. Emily loves it when I eat onions. Um, I, and my favorite ones are the, the, green, the green stem onions, you know, the long green things. I don't even know what you call them. I just call them green stem onions. I love those things. But you know what? They are so powerful. And after you eat them, there is a consequence that comes with eating onions, right? You, you know what it is? Your wife will be all over you. No, I'm kidding. You know what, what it is? Man, you get bad breath. And I don't care how many times you brush your teeth, how much, you know, if you, how much Listerine you drink, eventually that onion is going to overpower it. Um, as a matter of fact, just to let you all know, 
when you drink coffee before church. I just want you all to know that I don't care how much gum you chew, I can still smell your coffee breath. So it affects the decisions you make. It will affect you. So the lesson for us here as we read our text is whenever you make decisions, you need to begin to think about consequences. Not just, you know, does it make me feel good right now, long-term consequences. And this is especially true when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Now, Lazarus, he really, there's not much he could do in this life, y'all. I mean, he lived in a society that the only thing you could do was beg if you couldn't work. He was physically handicapped. His decision, in a lot of ways, they were already made for him. But concerning his future, ah, he made a great decision. His decision was to walk with God. His decision was to submit his life to Jesus. Did it affect him? And you better believe it. It had a great consequence for him. And that in our text we see that one day after he dies, he's sitting in paradise with Abraham. Now, on the other hand, there's the rich man, and he's in dire straits. What happened? He got what he deserved. He put all of his chips in this life. Now, did it pay off for him in this life? Well, in many ways it did. It says he lived a life of luxury. It said he had everything, you know, everything that this world could offer was at his fingertips. But investment, what you learn is investment in earthly things carries with it a consequence. If that's where you put all your marbles, guys, there's a consequence to pay for that. And you're going to pay for it in eternity. Jesus gives a pretty graphic description of hell at this point. He talks about it's a place of torment. It's a place of agony. It's a place of desperation. We see that the rich man, he says, just send Lazarus down and, and tell him to dip his finger in some water and, and put it on my tongue so that, so that my tongue will be cooled. Why did Jesus do this? I believe what Jesus is doing right here is he's pointing out to us the realness of the afterlife. There really is another life, guys. This isn't it. He's pointing out the reality that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I believe Jesus does this in order to open up our eyes to the fact that this life isn't it. Because what so many of us want to do is we want to marginalize the afterlife and not pay any attention to it so that we can do whatever it is we want here and have our needs met here right now. Because man, we're instant gratification people. And so we ignore the future. And Jesus is reminding us, don't ignore your eternity. Because there are consequences that come with it. There are decisions that we need to make, and yet too many of us lull ourselves to sleep concerning eternity. There's, guys, we do that, there's going to be a day when there's going to be a rude awakening. It's like, like many of us are spiritually, we're just, we're just being boiled to death. Slowly boiled to death spiritually. Being lackadaisical about the future. I'm sure you've all read the book or you've at least heard the story about you know, how, you, how you boil a frog to death. Y'all, you've heard of that. You put a frog in a pan and you can turn up the water and it just kind of gets warm. And the, and the frog's comfortable. And you just kind of turn up one degree at a time over a period of time. And before long, that frog, he gets used to it. He acclimates to the, the increasing heat to a point to where that water eventually it's boiling and he's still sitting there. And he gets boiled to death. Yeah, that, That's what happens to a lot of us. Yeah, you know, we get so desensitized to just simply live in this world. We just turn the degree up one, one degree at a time. We just get used to this life and we ignore the future. And before we know it, spiritually, we've been boiled to death. So, so what do we need to do to avoid that? We need to pay attention to the future. 
to what happens after this life. You know, I, I encourage you, take time to weigh, weigh life living for Jesus and, and not living for Him and, and do the pros and cons and then make a decision. Hey, what's the best thing for me to do? You see, if we're going to get to that place where we are walking with God, there comes a time when surrender needs to take place. A surrendering of your life to the leadership of God. Why, why, why do we want to surrender ourselves to the leadership of Jesus? Because He's the only one who can rescue us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. When we surrender ourselves to the leadership of Jesus, Jesus covers over our shortcomings and our sins. So that when we stand before God, instead of God seeing us, He sees Jesus who covers us. He sees the perfection of Jesus. Now, as a person affected, they follow Jesus. Yes, their, their destination is affected. Their reward is affected. This is the last thing I want you to see. If you become a follower of Jesus, the last thing that is affected is your influence. How you influence people is affected. Now look in verse 27. It says, He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the Scripture. He said, Let them listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. All right, here's my question for you for today. If you were to die today, what kind of a legacy are you going to leave behind? What are people going to say about you? What kind of an influence are you going to leave behind to your children, to your friends? Are people going to look at you and say, well, I'll tell you what, he was a, he was a, great, he was a great worker. Great work ethic. Well, that's a good thing. Um, my guess is in our text, the rich man, I guess he probably had a good work ethic, which may, might be why he's rich. You know, I don't know. Probably had that. I say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. The legacy I'm going to leave behind is I'm leaving behind an inheritance for my family. And all the kids said amen. You know, that's a great thing. And if you do that, you, you're, you're to be commanded. You should, those, those are good things if you can. T- take care of, of those you leave behind. I guess as the, the rich man did this, he had five brothers. I'm guessing they probably were able to split some of the wealth that he had. Now, I'm, I'm a good moral person. I can leave behind that kind of a legacy. It's a good thing. My, again, my, my guess is rich man had this. I care for my family. That's a good thing. Verse 27 says the rich man was concerned about his brothers even after he died. Now, those are all good things, but what's the problem with those things? They're all centered just here. It's okay to do those things, but you better make sure that your focus is not temporal things, the things of the earth, but, you're, but that you're leaving, leaving behind a legacy for your family and for your children and for your friends and your neighbors saying there is more to life than right now. There is a future with God, and you've got to know Him. You've got to follow this God who gives me fullness in this life. Now, we can't leave a legacy. We can't leave that kind of a legacy if we don't recognize it. We just simply die and it's all over. We have to be leaving that legacy right now. 
Do you want to leave behind the legacy that's really going to make a difference? Or are you just simply going to pass through life and miss out? I read a story in a, about a lady in Massachusetts, an elderly lady. She'd lived in the same neighborhood for over 40 years. But she died in her home. Now, that's not all that unusual, except for nobody noticed it. She was in her home dead for four years. Nobody noticed that she was no longer going outside to get her paper. She wasn't picking up her mail anymore. Nobody noticed it. And I thought, well, what a tragic story for that lady. What a tragic story for the neighbors. And as I thought about that, and I thought about this lady, she lived in that same neighborhood for over 40 years where everyone in that neighborhood knew her, but it didn't take long for them to forget her. Christians, we have an opportunity to share with people the greatest news of all time, and that news is Jesus. That news is that Jesus can give forgiveness. When people are, are just absolutely burdened with guilt and sin, Jesus says, I can give you freedom. We have that news. And yet I'm afraid that many of us are going through this life living dry, spiritually dead lives that nobody's even noticing whatsoever. Man, don't miss out to make a chance or to take the chance of making an everlasting difference. How's that happen? Jesus. Now, if somebody follows Jesus, does it, does it affect them? Yep. It'll affect their destination, it will affect their reward, and it will affect their influence. Now, my guess is there are some of us here, and concerning our eternity, some of us are going to be, end up being a day late and a dollar short. It's going to be too late. That can change today. And that can change by you simply calling out to God, saying, Jesus, I, I don't want to miss out on you. I want, I want to know you. I want to experience the power and the grace and the forgiveness of God and the future that I have in God. Well, if that's you, then what you can do is in just a few moments you can bow your head and close your eyes and, and talk silently to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I, I need you to save me, to rescue my life, to forgive me, to be my God. And if you do that, the only thing I know to do is trust the Bible. The Bible says you shall be saved. You shall be a child of God. And what I'd like for us to do is just simply to close our eyes at this time, to bow our head, and we'll, we'll conclude the service right here. And maybe some of you just simply need to do that right now. You just you talk to God where you are. Just simply say, Lord, today I, I, I am surrendering my life to you. And I know, Lord, that I have sinned against you. Forgive me of my sin. And I am believing and trusting that you died for me and that you rose from the grave. And I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Now, their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I, I want to encourage you. You can take your bulletin out and open it up, and you can fill out the section on the right side. And after you do that, just simply you know, check the line that says, I committed my life to Christ today, and then put that in the offering basket so we can get you information in the mail about growing in a walk with Christ. It'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Others of you are followers of Jesus, yet you know you're not doing much in your Christian journey. You personally know that your eternal destination is squared away. Your eternity set. Maybe today you feel convicted about the kind of legacy that you're leaving behind. 
Maybe today you feel convicted that it's time for you to share. To share what Jesus has done in your life. To share who Jesus is to you. To invite friends and family and schoolmates into the church to hear the message of Christ. Why don't you take this time and just simply pray to Lord to the Lord and say, Lord, today I, I ask that you'll impress upon my heart a person that you desire for me to reach out to that I might pray for them and God, that I might invite them into the church that I might be able to tell them how Jesus has changed my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will convict us, that you'll help us to be a church that sees that there are people all around us who need Jesus. And God, may we have an understanding that without Jesus, there is no hope. Father, bless, bless this church. Bless our ministry. And may we see the power of God unleashed in our homes, in our church, in our workplaces and schools, and in this town. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.